okay, um, we're definitely going to need to do some editing <laughs> yeah, in this one. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Welcome to Talking Underwater. One water. One podcast. I'm Amy McIntosh, Managing Editor of Water Quality Products. And I'm Lauren Baltus, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And I'm Bob Crossan, Managing Editor of Water and Waste Digest. And we're here with another episode of <laughs> episode Talking two. Underwater. We're episode here. two. <laughs> um, so last episode we talked a lot about day zero and drought related um, content, especially in Cape Town. But today, for um, our One Water podcast, we want to talk a little bit more about contaminated waterways, and particularly garbage in waterways. Yeah, plastic has been a really hot topic recently, um, and with World Oceans Day Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, we thought this would be a good time to bring that up. Mm -hmm. It's been getting a lot of press. I don't know if either of you saw the National Geographic issue mm-hmm. in the cover mm-hmm. I, I yeah I remember you mentioning it um, they're doing a huge um, they're just doing a lot of reporting on garbage and waterways and look it up or pick it up if you get a chance they do really good reporting on that and be- with beautiful imagery yeah that cover is really really cool it looks like an iceberg but it's a plastic bag mm-hmm. it's just a it, it's a great cover and it really highlights that issue really well yes so um, like Amy said uh, World Oceans Day was on June 8th Eighth, um, and uh, it's uh, coordinated by the Ocean Project, and it's really drawing attention to all the plastic and waste in the oceans. Um, not everyone knows about this, but I think it has a lot more attention now. Is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is that mm-hmm. like plastic garbage island between um, California and Hawaii, I think. Um, yeah, and it's it's twice the size of Texas, and it's just like a garbage island. Yeah, Holy well, cow. I think people get kind of an image of that in their head, like it's it's not like a full island, but it's just like, like mm-hmm. a big swarming mm-hmm. sea of plastic. Mm-hmm. And and Lauren, I think you were going to talk a little bit about this, but we saw some video on this mm-hmm. um, at an event we mm-hmm. went to recently, and it, it is it's one thing to hear about it, but to see footage of it is very upsetting. Yeah, we um, this spring we uh, attended uh, an event put on the Friends of Chicago by the put on by the Friends of the Chicago River. It's called the Chicago River Summit, and this year their focus also was garbage-free rivers, specifically the Chicago River. And a lot of the presenters were speaking on this topic and showing videos of it. And there was a speaker. Was it? Mary Crowley, I think, from the Ocean Voyages Institute mm-hmm. showing the video. Yes. Um, because there are groups like her group that are on literally going out into the ocean and trying to pick up the garbage from the ocean and, and clean it up. Um, and, I mean, how do you even put a dent in that? Yeah, it seems kind of daunting. Um, and I don't have an answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that with issues like this also, it's a great example. I mean, a lot of times social media, I think people think of it as negative. Mm -hmm. Like we're only talking about negative things, but 
social media in this case is really, really drawing attention to this issue, mm-hmm. and more and more people are connected on it than ever before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it means that something positive can change. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's gotten so big that, like, even the, in the Tour de France, the Team Sky is wearing a jersey that is mm-hmm. for Sky Ocean Rescue that is all about pass on plastic, and they're trending the hashtag pass on plastic. Like, the fact that a world tour team in cycling, one of the most like watched sports in Europe, is like highlighting this issue shows yeah. how big of an issue um, people are taking it to be. So yeah, yeah, and I think it comes down to an individual level too. I mean, specifically in Chicago, where we live, mm. um, there was a big plastic bag ban for a long time, and mm. um, one of the things I saw around World Oceans Day was a. Uh, whale that was found with 80 plastic bags in its stomach and so like that was you know a big kind of crusade um, against plastic bags we have a bag tax now Um, and I know I'm more conscious about bringing my own bags places Um, so it's kind of like on an individual level and now I think straws are kind of the new plastic bag Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of places are eliminating straws um alaska airlines just went plastic free so they've replaced their plastic straws and stir sticks and other things with um products made out of bamboo and birch and things Mm -hmm. that are um biodegradable and marine safe so um i think just as people now carry reusable bags with them um i would encourage everyone to carry <laughs> reusable straws like i do or go without yes you don't, yeah, you don't need, need a straw. straw yeah just and to add on to that i saw something uh yesterday on facebook that there's a bar in somewhere here in the u.s that uses um pasta for its straws oh, like they oh. had apparently tried using um, like paper, but it would just wilt away yeah. too quickly. Yeah. Um, and then metal straws, they said, were was a little cost prohibitive. So they ended up finding some type of pasta that, they, that was like in a straw shape. Dumb and they were question. using that instead. It, uncooked, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Uncooked, yeah. <laughs> correct, uncooked. Great. So is the idea that yeah. you eat it afterwards or it's just going like, to so. decompose? Yeah, it's just a matter of that it's biodegradable, yeah, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> but I, my thought immediately was like, well, that's probably good with a Bloody Mary. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? That's a bad idea. Or hot tea. Then you have cooked pasta yeah. when yeah. you're done. You need a little snack. <laughs> um, as far as the plastic bags issue goes... I often think about when we go to industry trade shows, how many of those reusable bags we're getting. Mm -hmm. Because on the one Mm -hmm. hand, is it wasteful to have that many reusable bags that we're giving out? But I will say that I I use them for grocery shopping Mm -hmm. every week. And especially we were just at um, AWWA Ace in Las Vegas this past week. And... um, Ace gives those great insulated bags, yep. and now I have I love them. I have two now, and I use them every week for grocery shopping. So, like Amy, I've been really making an effort not to use plastic now. Yeah. And even I've thought, okay, maybe I won't use. Um, I'll use. I'll buy bar soap for my house mm-hmm. instead of hand soap with a pump. Yeah. You know, little things like that is mm-hmm. reduces the plastic. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually started doing that now too. Yeah. So. Um, there was also a news article, um, it was posted on our site if you want to read more about it by our associate editor, Lauren, um, that EPA reached a settlement with two Southern California plastics manufacturers because 
Um, they need to take more steps to prevent plastic from ending up in local waterways because um, when they're um, discharging their uh, treated water into waterways, sometimes that is includes plastic materials and sometimes stormwater also picks up plastic and carries it into the waterways. So um, this is a big concern right now, and I think everyone, especially EPA, is thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of this is, you know, we're talking about large pieces of plastic garbage Mm -hmm. in the water, but Mm -hmm. some of this is also microscopic. on the WQP site recently, we posted an article, um, it might be about a month or so now, but um, about a study from the World Health Organization. They tested um, more than 250 bottles of bottled water from 11 different brands across mm-hmm. nine countries. Um, and out of the 250 bottles they tested, only 17 didn't have microplastic oh particles in them. So 93% of the bottles had microplastics in them. Holy cow. So that's troubling. Um, it's they, yeah. you know, The study says, you know, they don't really know what sort of health effects that's going to have um, if you're ingesting it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound good. Yeah. Well, and fish, too, mm-hmm. are eating them. Yeah, and that makes me think of, like, how does that affect a water treatment plant? Right. You know, right. like our... Are, is ultrafiltration and microfiltration are those enough to kind of catch that kind yeah, of stuff? Right. Or well, but it, if it doesn't make it through the bottled water process, yeah. Then like which you usually think bottled water is yeah. definitely the, your safest option. Mm-hmm. If some people don't trust tap water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. That's something I should I should look into that and see if there's um, studies or things done on mm-hmm. microplastics in yeah. water treatment plants and if there is a treatment process involved there or mm-hmm. if that's kind of been largely overlooked or not yeah something also that came out of that water summit we went to was um some uh when you wash your clothes tiny particles from your synthetic clothing is being washed down the drain from your washing machine adding to the microplastics Mm -hmm. and that i that would not have occurred to me and you can buy a little i think like little lint balls or something Mm -hmm. you can put but Man, the microplastics, you're right, it's probably the bigger concern than yeah. the big ones. And they yeah. do make filters for your washing machines, too, that you okay. can, um, that will filter out fibers and things like that. But that's, that's again, it's not something people think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, yeah, and people, people just don't think about all the working pieces in a machine like that. Right. You know, like they don't think about how most people don't even change out their filters in their fridge, yeah. right. for instance. So, right. like, they wouldn't ever think about doing right. it for their washer, washing mm-hmm. machine or dryer. And um, speaking of treatment plants, um, another kind of contamination issue that um, isn't directly re- related to garbage, but it is a contamination problem, is um, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife discovered traces of oxycodone in the tissues of native bay mussels in um, Washington, and so this is the first time that opioids have been discovered in shellfish, mm-hmm. um, and it's likely because the treatment plant wasn't able to remove them from the mm-hmm. wastewater. Um, and you know, it's very low levels, but we don't know how this will impact the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very these very like microscopic mm-hmm. contamination. It's kind of yeah. scary. 
I actually talked to someone at ACE about muscles, um, and they're very keen on having a story about it in mm-hmm. the future. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm hoping to have something by the end of this year, if not early next. So In Water and Waste Digest. Yeah, in Water and Waste Digest. So definitely stay tuned to that. If you want to see it, um, I, we'll have it on our um, on our website as well. Great. Yeah. It, it, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah. I think the conclusion kind of is, though, I mean, you, it's, it's kind of hard to go in and clean up the whole ocean, mm-hmm. but I think starting now on an individual level is probably mm-hmm. the best way to kind of, if you reduce your own foot, footprint and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, tell a friend, give someone <laughs> some stainless steel straws as a birthday gift, mm-hmm. you know, like just kind of trying to change people's habits one yeah. at a time, you can... Mm-hmm feel like you're you're doing something for the greater good yeah. tell them to listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the topic of those straws i saw one that like is a keychain yeah so it's like small enough to just keep on your key ring and you could have it have a straw wherever yeah. you need it and yeah. you're not going to use plastic so god forbid you need a straw for your diet coke <laughs> you have one <laughs> so like i mentioned we were just in vegas mm-hmm. and we had I don't know, Bob, if you want to talk a little bit about these, uh, this visit that we had related yeah, to so, some water scarcity. Yeah, so in Vegas, uh, we were there for Ace, and we did, figured that this is a good time for us to go and visit Lake Mead. Um, getting back to our topic of talking about Day Zero in our last episode, um, we're kind of following this trend of water scarcity and uh, um, water reuse and um, kind of the strategies involved in making water go farther. So um, we took a visit out to Lake Mead. So we got to talk to Dan Bunk. He's a hydrologist and head of river operations for the Lower Colorado Region Bureau of Reclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, so he spoke a lot about what kinds of strategies they've been using and how the drought has affected things and how Lake Mead has kind of been a barometer for that drought. Mm-hmm. So, but in any case, I did interview him and we have a short little interview for you here. So um, we'll see you on the other side of that. How do Lake Mead and the reservoir serve the surrounding community? Well, uh, Lake Mead is one of two very large reservoirs in the Colorado River Basin. So there's Lake Mead and Lake Powell. Mm -hmm. And uh, those two reservoirs uh, make up about 85% of the total storage, uh, surface storage in the Colorado River Basin. Um, And so Lake Mead, serves the Las Vegas area uh, within this geographic region, but it also serves uh, the states of Arizona and California, as well as Mexico. Okay, that's quite a big region to cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know you guys have been in a drought. How has that kind of affected the lake and just the situation with those, those communities? Well, the, the drought um, is about 18 years in the making. And so when the drought started in 2000, um, Lake Mead and Lake Powell were both full at that point. We had just come out of some really higher flow years. Um, But since then, Lake Mead's elevation has dropped by about 130 to 140 feet in vertical elevation. So that's um, based on feet above mean sea level. Um, As a result of that, we've been sort of um, fluctuating or kind of uh, getting close to what we call a shortage condition. 
in the, in the lower Colorado River Basin, but we've managed to stay above that level in Lake Mead, and so we actually haven't had a shortage. Um, but because we've gotten close a few times, there's been different conservation and storage programs that uh, the lower basin states, which are Nevada, California, and Arizona, as well as Mexico, have uh, partaken in to help maintain the level of Lake Mead above that shortage level. So what efforts have been used to conserve water or make the most of water? Um, so there's these different storage and conservation uh, programs. Uh, one is called intentionally created surplus, and that came out of uh, guidelines that were implemented back in 2007. And so those allow water users um, to put in plants to conserve water, to store that water in Lake Mead, and then they can take delivery of it later. Um, um, there is quite a bit of this water banked in Mead currently. Mm -hmm. um, another program was uh, done through a binational agreement with Mexico, where they have the ability to create intentionally created Mexican allocation. And there's um, some of that water in Lake Mead now also. Mm -hmm. um, there's what's called this pilot system conservation program. And so this is uh, entities that they put in proposals to uh, implement projects to conserve water and this water gets left in the system so they can't take delivery of it later like these other programs could and so this pro that program's been going on since 2015. Mm -hmm. And then lastly there is this drought uh, agreement uh, done among the lower basin states where there's been other voluntary contributions to storage in Lake Mead. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the bottom line is that when you put all of those together there's about 20 feet of additional elevation in Lake Mead right now that wouldn't have been there without mm -hmm. these programs. And so if Lake Mead's elevation is about 1,079 feet above mean sea level right now, without these programs, Mead's elevation would be down closer to about 1060 right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're taking the drought very seriously, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've, we've, I mean, the water users um, have done a great job of collaborating with one another, collaborating uh, with the Bureau of Reclamation, as well as with our, um, our partners in Mexico to kind of come together to uh, implement these different programs to help maintain Lake Mead's elevation. Okay, so that was a pretty good visit. It <laughs> <laughs> was a pretty hot It was visit. very hot. Our, my phone literally did shut down. Yeah. From overheating, but the, it was a good conversation. There was also a sign that said heat kills, and we were like, no duh. I yeah. believe that because <laughs> I was melting. So. Yeah. But after that, we did get to go to the Hoover Dam as well. So we saw some mm -hmm. some of that. We have some pictures of that. And uh, if you want to see more of from that interview or if you want to see some of the sites that we saw while we were there, we will have a video on our website sometime soon. So okay. be on the lookout for that. And if you're not already signed up, sign up for our video alerts. You can get mm -hmm. those immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess we'll give you an idea of what we're looking to run next month in our magazines. Yeah. Um, Amy, you want to start? Sure. So um, the July issue of WQP, we're wrapping that up right now. Um, it has our commercial water supplement in it, um, which we have four times a year. If you're not familiar, uh, we cover commercial water treatment um projects, trends, whatnot. So uh, in this issue, we have a an article about uh, poultry processing, but not 
in the sense if you you know if you read an industrial water and waste digest you get a different side of poultry processing <laughs> uh, but in wqp it's literally about the drinking water for the for chickens, the chickens. <laughs> so that's a, an interesting read uh, we also have an article that i wrote about a packaging plant um, in california that is reducing its water use in its manufacturing process um, in the main issue, there's a our business columns on branding and what um, what's in a brand. It's more than just your logo. Um, so for all the business owners out there, that would be a good thing to take a look at. And finally, our cover story uh, is from the Planet Water Foundation, and they deployed several um, mobile filtration units to Puerto Rico after the hurricanes, um, and they're kind of in remote areas and they're providing drinking water and also water for hand washing. Um, and in conjunction with that, they're teaching hygiene classes to some of the children and the importance of washing your hands and you know maintaining, uh, getting rid of the germs basically. So some great photos in that, it's our cover story. So be sure to check that out. And. Um... Water and Waste Digest has an industrial Water and Waste Digest this month, um, so we got kind of a two for for you. Um, this issue in Industrial Water and Waste Digest, the cover story is about um, about metering pumps for refinery use. Uh, it's a really cool and informative article. It talks about all the like the kinds of pumps to look for. Um, it does a lot of telling you what to look for as opposed to trying to persuade you what to buy um, which is has made it a really really cool article so uh, I really appreciated that that um, from pulls of feeder um, but we also have uh, product portfolios in that issue um, I believe we have five or six of them so look out for those and then in the main issue for digest our um, our main thing is our special section on uh, pipe and distribution systems. We have two articles that are filling up that for you. And then our how-to is a part one of two on gasket repair. Um, it's a really, I was editing it this morning and it, it looks really great on page. So we're looking forward to getting it out to you guys. Nice. Uh, okay, so this month, uh, stormwater is our special issue, which is our residential, commercial, industrial issue. Um, talking about those topics specifically, uh, we're looking at a few things, um, a theater in Indianapolis, a golf course, some oil and gas plants, um, and other like permitting and compliance issues. Um, so definitely check that out. So again, if you have any questions for us, feel free to email at us. <laughs> Talking underwater at sgcmail.com. And, uh, and I'm also working on getting this posted to iTunes. So if you use iTunes, uh, I'm also working on Stitcher. Um, once we get those there, you can subscribe. It'll pop into your feed for free. Um, and you can listen whenever we have a new episode. You'll get notified. Um, but in the meantime, we do have a podcast newsletter that goes out when we have a new update. So please sign up for that. You can find that, I believe, on all of our sites Um and we will update you when the podcast comes out so you can listen to it immediately. And uh, stay tuned if you want to hear more from Ace. We have a special episode that we're uh, working on, so that's coming soon as well. Yep. Cool. Be on the lookout. All right. Okay. Cool. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>